0: Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 53. Last week, I covered the prehistory, as well as the archaeological evidence of the Hittites. If you missed that episode, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering both the Old and Middle Kingdoms of the Hittites. So, let's get started. A little refresher, and this one goes back many episodes... Remember that the old Assyrian Empire collapsed in the middle of the 18th century BC. At that time, well just before it, the Assyrians maintained some control over Anatolia, the area where the Hittites would emerge. After their collapse, it took some time before the Hittites really got organized. In the period before they organized, there were separate Hittite groups, all centered around various cities what is generally referred to as the Hittite Old Kingdom, existed from about 1700 to 1500 BC. The beginning date is about the time that the Hittite king Anata led the army that conquered Hattusa. Anata originally held from Kasura, a neighbor of Hattusa. So before going any further, a little sidebar on Kasura. Obviously... Kasura was a Bronze Age city in Anatolia. Actually, it was more than a city. It was a kingdom. But, so little is known about it, that it is pretty much a footnote in the history of the Hittites. With that said, there are some things that are known. Anitta's father and predecessor, Pithana, conquered Kanesh, a city sometimes referred to as Nessa. Remember, a few episodes ago, when I mentioned that the Hittites referred to themselves as the Nisili, well, this is a derivative of the name Nessa. At the time, Kanesh was an economically important city. Pithana gained control of the city in the 18th century BC. With his victory, the seat of the regional kingdom was moved to Kanesh. But the former capital, Kasura, remained ceremonially important. Despite the regional importance of this kingdom, only Pithana and his son Enitta are known as its leaders. There were probably others, but if you don't write your history down, it will get lost. And sometimes, even if you do write it down, it gets lost. True story, but unprovable. The other side of that truism is what is known as the Enitta text. It is one of the earliest inscriptions in the Hittite language, at least those discovered to date, and that attest to the existence of both Pythana and Anata. Hence the name. I'll get to the tablets in a minute. One other king, Labarna I, is generally thought to be a king of Kasura, but his history is not very well known, either. Not surprisingly, through today, the actual site of Kasura has not been uncovered, but there are several proposed locations. Most of what we do know about the city comes from documents from other locations, similar to what was known about the Hittites prior to the uncovering of the so-called royal archives. Also, keep in mind that no king of Hattusa ever mentioned any other location as the origin of his predecessors. About the Anita text, well, tablets. The tablets, and it's a set of them, tell of how Pithana conquered Kinesh, But the real theme of the tablets is Anatta, who continued his father's tradition and conquered several cities to the north. And the reason I'm covering Anatta is because he conquered the city of Hattuasa. And with that, back to the Hittites. Prior to the conquest of Anatta, Hattusua was an influential city ruled by the Hattai since around 2500 BC. Prior to the fall of the Hittites, the city successfully defended itself from Sargon the Great of Akkad in the 23rd century BC, as well as his grandson naram later in the same century. But troops from the city of Zapa, when they were ruled by an obscure king named Una, first attacked Kanesh in 1833 BC. King Anatta, though, employed different tactics than the previous attackers to bring it to submission. He while well, his troops burned the city. He then personally cursed it, and went on to curse anyone who attempted attempt reconstruction. Now, this was probably symbolic, and as such, mostly propaganda. Why? Well, a little background before the explanation. The history of this era of the Hittite Kingdom is understood through cuneiform tablets that were probably first written around the 17th century B.C., But these tablets did not survive. Instead, copies were made, most likely in the 14th and 13th centuries BC, and also in the Akkadian language. The tablets, really the copies of the originals, give insight into a conflict within two branches of the royal family, a conflict that apparently lasted until the Middle Kingdom. These two branches are described as a northern branch, which was first centered primarily in Zalpa and secondarily in Hetousa. Then there was a southern branch based in Kasura, and like I mentioned before, the location of the city remains unknown. The second part of the southern branch also had a presence in Kanesh, which is the modern city of Kultipi, Turkey. But that's skipping ahead a bit. I'll back up to the start of the Old Kingdom. So when Anitta cursed the city... It was for the psychological benefit of the southern family. They were, after all, the conquerors, and the northern cities would be subservient. His desire was not to move his capital there, but to have complete submission. Hinato was succeeded by Zazu in the 18th century BC, but in the latter years of that century, Kanesh was destroyed. And with its destruction, the Assyrian merchant trading system was lost, too. Then, a Kasurian noble family contested the rule of the Hattuosan family, and the town continued to decline. I know, I know, this is all a bit vague, but so are the historic records. All the while, the rulers in the sister city of Zalpa continued to maintain control. First, there was Huzia I, who took control of the Hattite, then, his son-in-law, known as Laburnana I, also from the south, gained control by ousting his wife's father. To quell internal grumblings, he then adopted Hazuyaza's grandson, Hattusili as his own son. And therefore, Hattusili was the heir to the throne. Hattusili who would later become known as the I, who would be credited as the founder of the Hittite kingdom, to be clear, though, some sources say that the I was the founder. And one more thing, occasionally you will see the I referred to as the II. There's no quiz, so don't write that down. When he was coronated, King Hatesili set about rebuilding the city that would bear his name, Hatesua. But, in uncovered documents, he refers to himself as the Man of Kasura, which, when you think about it, that's a pretty good title. I shall henceforth be known as the man of the podcast. Well, let me rephrase to be more accurate and less encompassing and maybe a bit more humble. I am the man of this podcast. N of one. Hattusili moved the capital from Kinesh to Hattuza. Like what happened with the earlier capital move, the former capital did retain some significance, but it was mostly ceremonial. For example, when Hattusili set about to determine his successor, he called a council in the former capital. Some researchers claim that he took his new name once he had rebuilt the city as emblematic of the eminence of Hattusua over Kassara, And as such, it is generally undisputed that Hattusili I founded the kingdom of the Hittites. In fact, there is a document known as the Edict of Telepanu from his era, dating more specifically to the 16th century BC. In the text, Hattaceli is described as a great warrior who apparently conquered an extensive region. Part of the document reads, Afterwards, Hattaceli was king, and his sons, brothers, in-laws, family members, and troops were all united. Wherever he went on campaign, he controlled the enemy land with force. He destroyed the lands, one after the other, and took away their power, and made them the borders of the sea. When he came back from campaign, however, each of his sons went somewhere to a country, and in his hand the great cities prospered. But when later the prince's servants became corrupt, they began to devour the properties Conspired constantly against their masters and began to shed their blood. So, what does the edict really mean? Researchers have proposed that the narrative can be interpreted as meaning that Hattasili established a unified kingdom, and this was done with the support of his extended family. However, the unity wasn't to last. Soon thereafter, his sons rebelled and took control of the natural resources found in the respective regions he had left in their charge. The phrase, prince's servants, is a bit ambiguous, but it has been interpreted to mean either the sons of Hattaceli, or the ministers and advisors of those sons, either of which mounted a rebellion against his rule. Also unclear is what happened to these sons. They could have been assassinated, or could have partook in the rebellion. Either way, they are not mentioned in his succession. During his reign, Hattesili I conducted military campaigns as far as the Semitic Amorite kingdom, of Yakohad, in Syria. In doing so, he attacked its capital of Aleppo. Apparently, though, the attack was not entirely successful, as he did not capture the city. On his deathbed, Hattasili passed the baton to his grandson, Mursili. As for Mursili, not much is known about his reign, with the exception of two very significant events. First, in the course of his military conquest, he apparently destroyed Aleppo, Mari, and even Babylon in 1531 BC. But the destruction was not followed by an occupation. Like his grandfather, Mursili seems to have personally led raids on the other kingdoms. But it appears he did so in order to loot for goods and not to add to territory. And When I think of this in a modern context, military occupation comes at a high cost. So, raiding, looting, and leaving may have been a viable strategy. Instead, after its sacking, Mursili cast out the ruling Amatites and turned Babylon over to his Kassite allies, who were to rule it for the next four centuries. I wonder if his successors ever regretted his decision. His wars, though, overstressed the economic, military, and political resources of the kingdom. For the Hittites, the balance of the 16th century BC was beset with political infighting and hot warfare, with the faction to the east, namely the Hurrians. One note a byproduct of their warfare, and therefore contact with the Amora and the Mesopotamians, was the re establishment of cuneiform script into Anatolia. That's right, their writing, at least in the period between the collapse of the old Assyrians and Morsili, was in a form of what is known as Hittite script. The bookends of the period show writing in cuneiform script. The history of this period was also recorded in the Edict of Telepanu, which read When Myrceli was king in Hattusa, his sons, brothers, in laws, family members, and troops were all united. He controlled the enemy land with force, took away their power, and made them the borders of the sea. So far, sounds kind of like the history of his grandfather. He went to the city of Aleppo, destroyed Aleppo and took the deportees from Aleppo and its goods to Hadousa. Afterwards, he went to Babylon and destroyed Babylon. He took the deportees from Babylon and its goods to Hadousa. Hantili was cupbearer, and he had Harpshili, Mersili's sister, as wife. Zendanta stole up to Hantili, and they committed an evil deed. They killed Mersili and shed his blood. End quote. So, what can be interpreted from this text? Well, first, Hantili was Mersili's brother in law, and apparently his cupbearer. So, maybe also his drinking buddy. Well, just kidding. But he was very important in the royal court. From other sources, we know that Zentana was Hantili's son in law. They, meaning Hantili and Zentana, conspired to assassinate Mersili and seize the throne. And it worked. Hantili then assumed control of the kingdom. Shortly after Mursili's assassination, the Hurrians from the mountainous region along the upper Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which is southeast of Hattusa, used the situation to their advantage and captured Aleppo and much of the surrounding area, eroding many of the territorial gains the now-dead Mursili had fought so hard to achieve. Hantili then reigned as king for about thirty years during the 16th century B.C. None of his accomplishments were recorded, which doesn't mean he actually did nothing, but it could. Write this stuff down, people. Then the plot thickens. Xantana, the son-in-law, grew tired of waiting on his turn to rule, so he did what so many heir-apparents have done throughout history and had the ruler murdered. Actually, for clarity, Zantana wasn't the next in line, as there were several between himself and Hintili. But he took care of those speed bumps, too. Xantana then became king and ruled for ten years. Once again, no accomplishments were recorded. And this is where I could insert the same caveat about recorded history. Zantana's reign lasted until he was, wait for it, Assassinated by his son Amuna. Quick rabbit hole. My family has several traditions smoked turkeys on Thanksgiving, the telling of stories, things that will hopefully be passed down from one generation to the next. This family had the well established tradition of being murderously dysfunctional. Amuna ruled for 20 years in the 15th century BC and staying true to the other family tradition accomplished less than his three ancestors. To be more specific, and as tends to happen with a weak ruler, what once was a large prosperous kingdom slowly disintegrated. The kingdom of Hattusili slowly atropied, as an increasing number of areas rebelled against the central but distant king. Along the way, Amuna essentially stood by and watched. Surprisingly, in breaking the other family tradition, Amuna died of natural causes, but then again, and paradoxically. The odds of being assassinated decrease correspondingly with a decrease in power. Amuna was succeeded by one of his sons from one of his wives, a lad who would become known as Huuziah I. But wait, the tradition isn't completely dead, because Hazia I has to murder his way to the palace as he was not the next in line. There were two speed bumps in between his two older brothers from different mothers. The other tradition was not dead yet either, and his five-year rule was not very successful. He was ousted in 1460 BC by a younger son, or perhaps son-in-law of Amuna this one named Telepanu, who expelled Hazuya from the kingdom. He wasn't completely safe, though, as he would be later murdered, just to ensure he couldn't retake the throne. Telepanu had high hopes of returning the Hittite kingdom to its former power and prestige, but the tipping point had long since passed. Telepanu won few victories against his neighbors to the southwest, His strategy was centered on allying himself with the Kizuwatna against the Mintani, and if the name sounds familiar, he was also the author of the much-referenced Edict of Telepanu. Most of what we know about the kingdom, from its founding many generations before to his reign, comes from the document, and since he was the author, take his accomplishments with a grain of salt. Telepanu ended up being the last king of the Old Kingdom, with his reign ending around 1500 BC. After he was deposed, the empire entered into a hundred-year so-called Dark Age, due to the lack of recorded history. To their credit, especially when judged by our modern values, during the Old Kingdom, the king of the Hittites was not viewed by the citizenry as a living god, like the pharaohs of Egypt and the rulers of Sumer but rather he was viewed as first among equals. The Dark Age, in the few records that have been found, show repeated attacks primarily from the Casca. These were a non-Indo-European group that lived in northern Anatolia, along the shore of the Black Sea. As is relatively common with a declining society, they moved their capital several times, first to Sipinua and later to Samua, which was to the southeast of Hattusa. Interestingly, an archive of cuneiform tablets has been found at Shipanua, but to date, it has not been translated. Now, two things do stand out in the Middle Period. First, as probably could be expected from a declining state. Instead of waging war, the leaders tended to enter into peace treaties with their neighbors, and second, it was during this period that they adopted the deities of the neighboring Hurrians. So, that's pretty much the political history of both the Old and Middle Kingdoms. But how did they live? Unfortunately, not much is known about the people of the era. They did have their own language, but relied greatly on the Akkadian alphabet. They used cylinder seals to sign documents and mark property and they had this in common with other societies in Mesopotamia. The practice seems to indicate some sort of link between the cultures. Sumer, located to their south and a little bit to their east in Mesopotamia, had well-established trading contexts, so there may have been a cultural influence. But this was pre-Hittite, during the rule of the Hettai. Now, for a little, short, logical thought experiment, a.k.a. speculation. Since the trading contact was between Sumer and the Hattai, it's probable, but not conclusive, that the Hittites adopted aspects of Sumerian culture via the Hattai after they showed up in Anatolia. The few details we do know, those mentioned before, seem to support the speculation, though. And that's probably a good place to end this episode, Join me next week when I'll continue the history of the Hittites by covering the period from the end of the Middle Kingdom to the collapse of the New Kingdom. You don't want to miss it. This week, I hope you will go to iTunes, or wherever you receive the podcast from, and leave a positive review. I've made this request several times, and trust that more of you will take me up on it. Doing so helps others to find the podcast. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.